Well, welcome to church on an awesome weekend. I got a question for you just to launch right into it. I just got to know if, if the sermon has any, any relevance. I need a show of hands. Have you ever had a week not go your way? Just, just got to, okay. Okay. We're safe. We're good. Uh, if you've ever had something not go your way, this I think will help all of us because if you're like me at all, when things don't go your way, there might be this emotion called anger that gets stirred up a bit. Uh, when someone does something that they shouldn't and it goes against you, it hurts you, it impacts you, or, or someone doesn't do something and you wish they had it, there's this anger that stirs up. We're going to talk about anger. So for those of you who fought on the way to church or even before you sat down and opened up your computer, yay, you're here and this is good. <laughs> We're going to talk about anger, and, and so I did some study, and, and if you don't know that, uh, according to studies, we as a nation, we as the United States of America, are angrier than ever before. <laughs> You're like, I know. You turn on the news, look anywhere, have any conversation. Well, there was a study done by Esquire and NBC. They got together, they gathered a bunch of people, asked them questions because they wanted to find out not only are we angry as Americans, but who is angry and who is the angriest? Doesn't that sound like fun? And so they asked a ton of questions, and here's the feedback that came back. I, I want you to, to, to hear this. Half of the people who responded, half indicated that they're angrier today than they were a year ago. Yay! And there's some of the specifics. According to the study, these people said the state of the American dream is dead. This is going to be negative, just so you know. Uh, America's role in the world, not what it used to be. How is life working out for you is one of the questions. Not quite what I had in mind was the overarching. Some of us are like, yes, yes, these are my people. Uh, now, just to get super uh, on people's toes, they broke it apart based on political party. Uh, 77% of the Republicans were angry. 67% of the Democrats were angry. Do with that whatever you want. Enjoy some good conversations. Uh, the angriest class, the middle class. The middle class was the most livid by an overwhelming margin. Now, my favorite question that they asked of the whole crew is this. About how often do you hear or read something in the news that makes you angry. I mean, come on, you're like setting somebody up for this. So, so here's the return. 37% said once a day. 31% said a few times a day. 20% said once a week. If you're not doing all the math, like, wait a minute. 88% of all Americans get angry at least once a week. Yay. I mean, it's like, none of this is a shocker, though, is it? Not, everyone's like, I thought it'd be higher than 88%. Dave. I mean, Moses is like, why is it not 100%? Well, these are just the people willing to be honest. Anger is normal. Anger is, is common. If you're like, man, I really haven't seen anybody angry lately, I don't understand you. Go on social media for about two and a half seconds. You'll find it. Have a conversation about politics. You'll get there real quick. Uh, some of us will get together with family and friends over the 4th of July, and oh, we'll discover anger real fast. In fact, anger has become such a problem in the United States of America that Pixar intervened. 
Pixar who makes movies, animated movies, are like, okay, we're messed up. We don't know how to handle our emotions anymore. So they made a movie all about emotions so that you and I, we thought we were supposed to be for the kids. No, it's for you and I as adults. We watch this and we learn how to even deal with our emotions. One of them was anger. One of them was this character they put together, I thought, in a, in a brilliant way. Put together this character about anger. And, and if you've missed the movie, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Here, I, we got a 60-second clip. For you to understand about this character called anger, I think some of us will resonate. 60 seconds, take a look. Who's anger? What? He's that feeling in the back of your head when you stub your toe, or you end up stuck in traffic, or have your dinner interrupted by a telemarketer. Hang on, I'm getting a little worked up here. Breathe, find your happy place. Those other emotions are all too touchy-feely. <laughs> I'm Can I say that curse word now? Anger is all about getting the job done. Time to take action. So don't get in his way. Move, otherwise he might explode. <gasps> you wouldn't. Oh, but I would. Seriously. He only does it because he really cares, though. Promise. I arrest my case. If some of you are wondering, like, you've been needing to see a therapist, start with that movie. It'll begin to, the process of helping you cope and deal with your emotions. Uh, anger, I would say, yeah, I would probably change the statistics. I know the report said 88%, but I bet every one of us, I bet every one of us has been angry in the last week or so. In fact, I'm going to try to give you maybe a story or two in this message that will stir you up. <laughs> but I imagine that you and I have been angry. Here's the problem with anger. We don't know what to do with it. In fact, some of us think that anger is, is wrong. I mean, you might think like one, if you get angry at somebody, if you get angry at a situation, you wonder like, well, is God happy? Is God okay with? Is he cool with us being angry? And, and, and anger is not bad. In fact, James is one of the many places that tells us something about anger. You must all be quick to listen. Some of us just like just nudge your child right now. You must be quick to listen. Uh, slow to speak and slow to get angry. What I wanted you to see was this last part, slow to get angry. Don't miss how important this is, slow to get angry. You notice it doesn't say, and you're not allowed to be angry. The Bible does not press in on you and I and say, hey, that emotion of anger, you must never have it. And if you do, God is so upset with you. Actually, throughout the Bible, it talks about you and I learning to deal with, cope with, manage our anger. And I think we've got an issue here. In fact, I would say uh, this anger has many of us stuck. We're stuck there. You had a legitimate moment, experience, where you got angry. You might be angry right now. And you're like, this was wrong. This was not right. And you can prove it. You've got stats. You've got conversations. Like, this was wrong. And you are legitimately angry. The problem is, is you and I, have, we have a tendency to camp out at anger and stay angry. The problem, as you press further into anger, anger tries to redefine our identity. Here's what I'm trying to say is, when you have a moment that hurts you, you become a victim. Someone betrayed you. Someone did something. 
Someone didn't do something. And you, you and I have this, we're victims. This moment happened. And the problem is, is if you stay in that victim moment where you're all about the anger and it stirs up and you're, and you're wondering what to do with it and you do nothing with it, you, you let that anger redefine who you are. And no longer do you hold on to, I am a happy person or a joyful person. If you're a Christian, no longer do you hold on to the fact that you're a free person, forgiven by sin. No, you say, I am a this person. And it's about the experience you had. It's about what someone did. And your identity gets changed, and I would say we have a problem in our nation where there's a lot of people playing the victim card for years. In fact, I would say our culture has become aggressively kind and sympathetic to whoever wants to be a victim. And many of us have found some satisfaction in that, and we no longer claim the victory that Jesus has promised we stay victims, angry, and if you don't know what happens in this, is that anger becomes our identity and revenge becomes our mission. And many of us right now, you wake up and you at least, you may never do anything with it, but you think about how to get back at so-and-so, or you hope something happens to so-and-so. It's called revenge. So I want to press into you something that was taught to me and it actually has helped me quite a bit. Don't allow an experience to become an identity. Just think about this. I want this to stay here. Listen, your experiences in life. I don't have to ask you to raise your hand and say, hey, have you ever had something bad happen? You know, no. Most of us are like, yep. Most of us have had someone do something or not do something that they were not supposed to or supposed to do. And, and we get this. The problem is, is that experience, that situation becomes our identity. And we have a problem because we have a culture right now who loves to change the identity based on the experiences we have, based on our feelings that we have. And we begin to remove ourselves from what God designed for us, this full life. If you've had a, a rough week, a rough year, some of us would be able to tell stories that might say a rough life. I hope that you're not taking the experiences in your life and using them as fuel to where when you wake up and live your day and then you eventually go to sleep, it's all about what so-and-so is or isn't doing. Many of us have an anger problem. Anger is consuming us. And I think most of us would say it's very common in our everyday culture to see and come across who's angry today. Who's angry about this and that? And that's what the talk is. That's the debate about. And, and the problem is you and I have to deal with anger. So if anger is an issue in your life, and if you're like, it's not, it probably is. If anger is something in your life, you're like, i got to get control of this. i got to make sure that I manage this well. Then we've got to press in. i got a story for you. <laughs> it's a story in your Bible. It's, it's, it's an old story. It's found in Judges. I've been preaching through the book of Judges. The book of Judges is in the Old Testament of our Bibles. Now, now if you're new, you're like, Judges, that sounds like a horrible book to read. Uh, it's about an era in, in history in which the Israelites were, were led by judges. They didn't have presidents or CEOs or anything like that. They had these judges, and, they would, they, and the whole book is full of different stories of different judges. What's cool about judges, if, if you're not sure if you like the book or the Bible, it's full of stories about people who screwed up, and God helped them get out of their mess. <laughs> That's the book I want to read. That's what Judges is all about, and I've been telling you different people. And this week, I want to talk to you about a guy named Samson. Samson's in the book of Judges. There's a bunch of history about him. 
He, he ran and helped lead Israel for 20 years. Now, Samson is in the book, and, and, and you can study his life. The problem is you won't find a whole lot of awesome stuff about Samson in the Bible. In fact, let me tell you one of the issues with Samson. Samson's problem was he had mismanaged anger. In fact, he was notorious for just exploding, hurting people, literally ending people's lives because he was so mad and so angry. Now, if you don't know about Samson, you've got to know something very particular. You know, we're in this series Uncommon. I don't know if you like superheroes, but Samson is about as close to a superhero as you can get. He actually had supernatural strength. God gave him strong abilities in such a way that it was crazy, the stories about how strong he was. He could just, like, rip lions apart. I mean, that just sounds like fun. Unless they're in a protected environment, which you should not be doing that. Samson was a beast. I mean, I don't know what your mental pictures are of him, but, I mean, he was ripped. He was strong, very powerful, and God gave him this strength. But the problem is, is he didn't manage his anger. So when, when a strong person gets angry, people get hurt. I'll give you a story. And we'll walk, we're going to walk through, and you're going to think what I'm about to tell you is not true. It's going to seem like some soap opera, some craziness. It's totally true. Samson was getting married. Uh, back then, marriage, you had a little bit of the ceremony, but it was about a seven-day party. For those of you who have ever paid for a wedding, you're like, oh, no. Uh, seven days was this party. Uh, Samson had groomsmen. Now, here's the deal. The, the woman that he was getting married to or got married to was not a woman he was supposed to get married to. His advised that he wasn't supposed to. In fact, the, his people and their people, they disagreed. and So they were so scared, the other people where she came from. They're scared of him. So, so they assigned him groomsmen. He didn't really get to choose. 30 of them. Because the dude's strong. And it just wasn't well, in case he got out of hand. 30 groomsmen. So, so in the party time, I don't know if you've ever been a part of a wedding. The, the, the groom decides to go to the groomsmen. He's like, hey, hey, let's talk about this gift stuff. So he goes to the 30, and he's like, hey, I got a riddle for you. You solve the riddle, I'm going to hook you up with the most incredible clothes ever. They're like, mm, that sounds good. I mean, they didn't have stores to go to, right? So, like, okay, that's good. Now, he's like, now, if you don't solve the riddle, well, then I get the stuff. You, you give me stuff. Here's where it says, this is in Judges 14 is where we're at. If you can give me the answer within the seven days of the feast, I'll give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. Well, that sounds like a pretty sweet deal if you're in that time area. Like, okay, okay. Now, here's the problem. He didn't tell anybody. Samson didn't tell anybody the riddle. As in the answer to it. No one knew. Not even his bride. Not, not his family. Nobody knew. And that frustrated because it was a really good one. They couldn't figure out. The groomsmen were like, we're stumped. So finally they go to his bride and like, all right, he's for sure is telling you. you got to tell us what's the answer. Samson finally gives in at the end of the week. She goes and tells the groomsmen the answer. The groomsmen say, hey, we discovered the answer. We figured out we're smart. They say the answer, and Samson, you might think, well, okay, this stinks. Now he's got to hook him up with a bunch of clothes. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had something that you've lost, like a bet or a riddle or anything like that, but typically you're like, okay, this stinks, and you pay up. Samson, he's not a fan. Now, remember, he doesn't manage his anger. So if you're like, well, how did Samson react to losing this riddle? I'll show you. This is horrible. <laughs> he went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men. If you're like, David... Would you tell me what struck down means? He killed them. He went down and struck down 30 guys, stripped them of their clothes, and gave those clothes to those who explained the riddle. Burning with anger, he returned to his father's home. 
I mean, I don't know how you react to anger, but I hope you just caught what happened. He loses a bet in essence. He loses and 30 people lose their lives over it, are stripped, desecrated. It's a horrible moment. Mismanaged anger all over the place. Now, here's what happens because this is crazy. While he's massacring people, uh, it appears as though the father-in-law is like, well, he probably doesn't like his bride anymore since she kind of told the answer to the riddle. So, well, here's what happens. This is crazy. While he's gone, and Samson's wife was given to one of his companions who had attended him at the feast. And we're like, oh, no. You, I mean, you already know how Samson handles his anger. So this isn't like a lost bet. His bride has been given to another man while he's gone. Now, now watch this because I don't know how you deal with anger. But how you deal with it does not just affect you. It does not just stay with you. So Samson makes his way back, like the Bible says, and watch what he says. It's very profound. Samson said to them, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistine. See, I'm going to read a little bit more to you in a second, but I, want, I didn't want you to miss this. He just says that he has a right, a right to get even. Now, what you should be catching on, that means he understands that the first time that he took the 30 guys out, that, that he didn't have a right to, he shouldn't have done that, he mismanaged his anger, but now he feels like he has a right for revenge. Many of us feel that way. If you can ever prove the fact that what someone did to you, that you have a right, in fact, you've got friends and family backing you on this, going, yeah, you should take them out. Yeah, you have a right to do this. Let me explain something. Even when revenge is your right, it doesn't make it right. If you're wondering, well, David, David, that just doesn't sound like modern-day culture. I know. But the Bible's clear. God said it, that vengeance, revenge, is God's job, not ours. And at any moment that you decide someone's done you wrong, and it's legitimate proof, you can prove it in court. If you think that your role then becomes revenge, this will be offensive. You have taken on the role of of the creator God. And I would strongly urge you to never take on God's role because you will not fulfill it as well as he does. Even when revenge is your right, you can justify it. It doesn't make it right. And some of us right now, that's your thought process you're thinking through. In fact, many of your conversations might be directed that way. You're telling everybody how you have the right and it feels good for someone to validate. Yeah, you should, you should seek revenge. Well, let me read to you the rest. Samson said to them, this is time, this time I have a right to get even with the Philistines. So here's what he does. I will really harm them. When a guy with anger issues says that, be careful. So he went out and caught 300 foxes. Now some of you are like, what? I mean, he's strong, right? He's going to go beat him up. What? 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail in pairs. I mean, think of how angry you are to take the time. Are you processing? For those of you who are hunters, I'm not a hunter. But to go catch 300 foxes, mm, it's going to take some time. To tie their tails together a little bit more. Can you just see him stewing? He's getting, this is like, almost, this is borderline psychotic. Many of us have been there before. Uh, caught 300 foxes and tied them tail to tail, right? He, he then fastened a torch to every pair of their tails. Lit the torches and let the foxes loosen the standing grain of the Philistines. 
He burned up the shocks and standing grain together with the vineyards and olive groves. The Bible is detailing that he just destroyed all of the Philistines' food, all of their future food, just wiped it out. That is called revenge. Many of us have been tempted at least to do the same, and maybe you have done the same, where you have been justified, you thought, and so you started taking your anger out on others and caused damage. Now, I would love to tell you that this is where it ended, and they're like, oh, man, we shouldn't have done that. We're so sorry. You know, we cheated on the whole riddle thing, and, 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 and we're just so sorry about the whole wife thing, and it's all misunderstanding. No, it doesn't, st- it doesn't stop there. In fact, if you've ever watched a documentary or learned about gangs, you know, it typically just goes back and forth, back and forth for basically forever. Here's, here's how this plays out. So the Philistines, because they're mad, went up and burned her and her father to death. I mean, now you've got revenge against revenge against revenge against revenge. And some of us, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've had it happen in your family. Someone stabs someone in the back, so another person stabs another person in the back, goes back and forth, happens at work, happens with our friends and we lose friendships, happens in marriages, back and forth. So the Philistines went up and burned her and her father to death. Samson said to them, since you've acted like this, I swear that I won't stop until I get my revenge on you. He attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. Now, if you study the life of Samson, which I would suggest you do that, I have not even touched on the thousands of people that die at his hand. Because he had mismanaged anger. He refused to control his feelings. And we are a society right now that is kind of heading the same direction, where if you feel it, go for it. If you feel justified, go for it. And right now, if you're angry, if you've ever been angry, if you've ever had to process that, you have a choice. And here's how this choice looks. You can seek revenge and try to get revenge, and you think perhaps that revenge is going to resolve your anger, or you seek redemption. Now, if you're new to church, I I understand the word revenge. Okay, heard that. Kind of like it. Feels good. Redemption. What? Let me show you definition-wise. Revenge is, is debt collection. If you don't know this, I can sum up some of our lives. If you Just press this. Uh, some of us, when you wake up and you live your day and you do whatever you're doing, you're trying to collect on debts, debts that people owe you, emotional debts. Someone hurts you at school, so you try to take it out on them. Work, same thing happens, definitely in our own homes. That's what revenge is. It's collecting a debt that someone owes you, and you're going to collect You're going to go to the nth degree, or you're going to at least try to get them in trouble to where there's some sort of pain and problem, and and there's a debt collection. That's one choice. You can be a debt collector the rest of your life, and if you've ever tried, you know that there's no satisfaction in that, even when the debt is collected. Or you can choose redemption. It's a big word used in the Bible quite a bit. What it means is you acknowledge that the debt is already paid. When someone hurts you, When someone breaks your heart, when someone does you wrong, and you look at the wrong, you're like, this is wrong, and you're legitimately angry. It's not not bad that you're angry, but you've got to realize that the debt for that bad thing is already paid. If you don't know what I'm saying, let me share it with you. Jesus already died for everybody's sins. 
You choose if you're going to believe that. You choose if you're going to surrender your life over to Jesus. But you need to know that the debt that you hold against other people, you've also owned the freedom from it, from your own actions. If you're a Christian, you've already said, thank you, God, for the freedom from my sins. Yay! But many of us spend every day pressing into what people have done to us, the brokenness of what people have done to us. Very profound proverb tells us something about this. Fools vent their anger. But the wise quietly hold it back. I mean, most of us say, you don't see much of this online or in the news. <laughs> what we see fools venting their anger all over the place. If you vent your anger, you need to know that you're in the common area. You're, you're doing what most people do. But the wise quietly hold it back. The wise quietly hold it back. See, some of you, you're thinking I'm irrational right now. You're like, David, you don't know what's happened to me. And what happened to me was evil and wrong, and, and I would say, you're right. But let me show you something that I have learned. When someone becomes our target for revenge, evil gets two victories instead of one. Are you willing to do that? See, you need to know that when someone wrongs you, that's evil. It's wrong. Some of you, you've experienced this, right? That's wrong. But when you seek revenge, evil sits back and laughs and says, I'm getting two out of this. Our world needs uncommon people who, when we get angry, we react to it differently. Now, if you're thinking that I'm talking to you about this as, as an irrational pastor, I mean, I know uh, pastors don't have any problems in life whatsoever. I mean, it's an amazing life. <laughs> you might wonder, like, like it's, it's easy for you to say this, David. That I know, you, you, got your, you got your anger in check. It's so sweet. In fact, you probably don't get angry. You just love everybody. Oh, you, you, you know. <laughs> and in fact, it brings us onto everyone's plates. If you don't already know, Last Sunday morning, at about 1 a.m., we don't know who, but someone took this actual rock, and they came to our west location. They threw it through the window in the back. This did tons of damage. They accessed through that window, they left the rock, but they didn't leave other things. They came through the building and they spent over two hours pillaging our west location. Got so brash as to pull up a vehicle to one of the windows and just unload everything that they had stolen. Sunday morning, I arrived early. I love to arrive early. I come on Sunday mornings, and I love to be there early. I just need some time to, to pray for, for you as you hear a message and for me to deliver it. And I, I show up, and it was odd that there's police cars, multiple police cars parked out front. I'm thinking, is, are they having a meeting? I don't know what's going on. And, and I walk up, and there's a whole 
a group of other people standing out front, and I learned what, what some of you learned, uh, whether it was a canceled service or you saw it on social media or an email, you learned that, that the church had been burglarized. And you probably have had similar conversations. I've had it all week long. Like, who robs a church? Don't forget, you just, like, who, who robs? That might just, period, who. But I, but I understand the emotion. And I got to tell you, let me be, full disclosure. At the beginning, I'm like, I, I've, been, I've been burglarized before. I used to have the most incredible sound system in my Firebird. It was awesome. It's awesome. And I remember showing up to my Firebird uh, one morning, the lock was popped out and the subs were gone and the radio, and I'm like, I start bawling. I call my parents. I, and then, and then I, I talked to the insurance company and found out I'm going to get a new setup. This is awesome. And I was like, being robbed is not all that bad. Well, when you become a grown-up, you, <laughs> you, you learn a little bit. And at first I was like, okay, we've got insurance as a church. We're going to regroup. Uh, we're going to put some things together. We're going to have an incredible services. And then I found out that we're going to have to cancel church at the West location. And when I tell you I got to give you full disclosure, I got I, I to gotta tell you the conversations I was having with God. It felt like the devil got one. Every single, every single time we gather as a church, at every single location, we have first-time guests every single service. So to cancel a service means, in theory, that there will be people who are trying to go to church for the very first time who aren't going to go to church for the very first time. So I started having a conversation with God. I was stewing. If you're like, I bet you weren't angry. I was angry. I'm not going to tell you the thoughts that I was having. But I was angry. And then God helped me see some things that I want you to see. The first one, don't forget that nobody was hurt. I feel like there's not a single day now that I don't wake up and check my phone and see somewhere in the world someone died and they shouldn't have. And I tell you that yes, someone stole our stuff, but nobody was hurt. And in our world, do not discount that as a victory at the hand of God because we have people that work late and come early all the time. Nobody was hurt. But that's not even the greatest lesson. If you want to know what God had to do with me, I don't know if you've ever had these conversations with him, but I felt like he put his hand on the back of my head and kind of shoved it into the Bible and said, look at that. Here's what he showed me. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All day, every day across our world, people are letting themselves be overcome by evil. And frankly, the church has been notorious at not overcoming evil with good. And so if you want to know 
what's our church going to do with the fact that our stuff was stolen? We're going to overcome with good. It will not stop us from serving our community. If you think we're going to retract and pull back our conviction that anyone and everyone is welcome, even the people that steal from us, oh, don't miss this. They're invited as well. Whoever you are and wherever you come from, whatever your past says about you, we believe as a church that God loves everyone, even the people that do stupid stuff. He loves everyone. And so many of us allow the experiences that we have change our convictions. And our convictions as a church, unconditional love. Key in on the word unconditional. You're like, even if they steal? Yep. <laughs> unconditional love. Are we going to pull back generosity? Man, it's going to take a while to recover financially from this. So are we going to be like a little less generous for a while? No. Are we going to waver a little bit, David? I mean, are we going to let like everybody like be able to come to the, our church buildings? And be, yes, everyone is welcome. We will not waver from our mission. Now, you need to know, though, behind this, this is not something because we don't have feelings. This isn't because we're not hurt or have anger. No, it's because there's self-control. Let me show you something about this. A strong conviction is the foundation for self-control. And many of us, we, we lack self-control because we have forgotten our convictions. And our convictions, we refuse to forget. In fact, let me tell you something. We refuse to allow a burglary to take our unconditional love away. We refuse to allow a burglary to keep us from loving people, being generous to people, and frankly, letting anyone and everyone be a part of us. Now, now what happens? What happens if you and I, in this crazy world, what if you and I are uncommon and we don't let our anger take control of us, but, but we have self-control? What happens? Well, as many of you know, that we, we posted uh, several details about what was going on and, and a response about who we are as a church. And, and, and one of my favorite, one of the most recent comments put on social media about what was going on is, is, is this. Let me show it to you. This guy put, not a fellow believer. If you don't track with it, doesn't believe what many of us believe, that Jesus is the only way. Not a fellow believer but love to see the compassion, massive respect. This is from somebody I do not know who lives in the United Kingdom. And if you wonder, can our world change? Yes. But you and I have got to be uncommon, and one of the most significant uncommon things is that when you get angry, when someone wrongs you, do not turn to vengeance. Turn to your convictions. And if you believe that everyone has value, no matter what they choose to do, anger will not control you. So let me give you a, just a, a, a practical step to take. The next time, time that you're angry and frustrated and you have a lot of brilliant ideas of how to get revenge, reconnect to your values. I would recommend that you do it before you get angry. 
reconnect to your values. If you want to know why I redundantly always tell everyone all the time, you want to know what our values are? Unconditional love, irrational generosity, and unwavering mission is because I have to. Because if you and I don't press this in all the time, in the moments that we experience that we do not like, we will neglect our values. We will turn to our feelings and our feelings will fuel us. And as a church, no. <laughs> our feelings don't fuel us as a church, our convictions do. Reconnect to your values. Press into what you actually believe about people. And if they prove you wrong, know that it was evil, not the evildoer. That's what we have a tendency to do. We take evil and the evildoer and like, oh, they're one. No, they're not. The Bible tells us. We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against evil. And when someone does evil, you need to know that you should be more angry at the devil and the evil. And the evildoer, oh, God can still get them. God can still get a hold of their heart and change their heart. Reconnect to your values. I have to make sure that I don't forget this. I had to tattoo it on my arm so I can just keep it in front of me all the time. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know if you got to write it on your windows, if you got to put it up in your house, if you got to put it in front of you on your, on your phones. I don't know how you're going to put it in front of you, but your values need to be in front of you for the moment that you have your experiences so that you do not mistreat people, so you do not let anger redefine your identity. So here's what I want to do. The burglary is so small compared to what some of you are walking through. And so I didn't want any of us to leave this moment without talking to God. So, so you're here. <laughs> I want to give you some time, some space to simply have a conversation with God. And here's how I'd like that conversation to go very private, very quiet. You talk to God, say, God, do I have any mismanaged anger in my life? Some of you won't have to ask that question. <laughs> you just know. And perhaps your conversation with him is, God, reconnect me to what you find valuable. So here's what I'd like you to do. If you would, bow your heads, close your eyes. And I'm going to stop talking, and I'm going to encourage you to start just a private conversation with God, talking to him about the anger in your life and the values in your life. And I think a conversation with him will be very profound. So go ahead, just privately have a conversation with God.